Our reading this morning is from the book of Acts, chapter 6, verses 1 to 7. In those days, when the number of disciples was increasing, the Grecian Jews among them complained about the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So the twelve gathered all the disciples together and said, It would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Brothers, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. And will give their att- we will turn this responsibility over to them and will give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. This proposal pleased the whole group. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. Also Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenon and Nicholas from Antioch, a convert to Judaism. They were presented to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. So the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. This is the word of God. Thanks very much. If you could have your Bibles open to chapter 6, let's go through it together. Let's pray that God will speak to us. Lord, we give you great thanks that you are a speaking God, that your words have great power. And we pray that through your spirit, you will speak to us and shape us, that we may be a people who are pleasing to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's put the first slide. There we go. When I was young, I used to get this pain all over my body, especially around my knees. And the pain was never sharp, but it was always there. And most of the times I would ignore it, but because I was a bit of a crybaby, there were times when I would cry about it. And one of those days, my parents took me to the doctor. Yeah. One of of these days, uh, my parents took me to the doctor, and the doctor asked me a few questions and then concluded that there was nothing wrong with me physically, um, but that it was just growing pains that I was having. The young church in Acts, Book of Acts, uh, went through great pains so far. There was persecution from outside. Peter and the apostles went to jail, and they were flogged. There was also internal problems. Ananias and Sapphira brought this dishonesty that threatened to destroy the unity of the church. But today, we face different kinds of problems here. The problem is that the church there in Acts is growing. And we don't think of growth as a source of problem. But it is, because a church that is growing is a church that's changing. And changes are never easy. And that's what we see in Book of Acts. That's what we see in chapter 6. There are lots of things I think that we could learn from this chapter. The chapter starts out great, doesn't it? It says, in those days when the number of disciples was increasing. 
The number of disciples was increasing. This was a good thing. The problem was that the, as the church grows, it also grows in diversity. You see, the 12 disciples, I don't know why that happens. Um, can we go back to... Um, the, uh, the, 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 the 12 disciples, if you think about them, they were Hebraic Jews. They were Aramaic-speaking Hebrew Jews. Uh, and it, it makes sense. Uh, they, their first language is Aramaic. They're culturally related to, um, culturally related to uh, the Jewish culture and the Jewish tra- uh, traditions. But as it grew, it started to attract Grecian Jews, people who were slightly different. They were Jews, but they actually their first language was Greek. They're culturally Greek. They related to the people outside better. And when the church was small, if you think about it, when a church is small, everybody has to eat together. Everybody has to hang out together. But you know how it is. As the number grows... The Hebraic Jews started eating lunch with other Hebrew Jews. The Grecian Jews started eating lunch with other Grecian Jews. You hang out with people who speak your language, who you relate to, who laugh at your jokes, who are like you. You start meeting people whom you're most, with, with people who, whom you're most comfortable. And that's what happened. As the number increased, there was this increasing diversity and therefore favoritism. The Hellenistic Jews among them complain against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being, looked, uh, over, over, being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. Remember, the church was managing a great sum of money because time to time people would donate. They, they would sell their possessions and donate the money to meet the needs of the people there. But the Hebraic Jews intentionally, or probably most likely unintentionally, overlook those who are not like them, the Grecian Jews. Finding unity amongst diversity is a very difficult thing. And arguably, it is the defining problem in the book of Acts and in the early church. How does the church cope with the fact that it's no longer just this small group of people? It's no longer just Hebraic Jews. How do they cope with the fact that the Grecian Jews are coming along? And not just that, as the gospel goes forth, it's the Gentiles who come in as well. People who are very different from Jewish people start coming into the church, and they start asking the question, what what should we do with them? Should they be Jews? Should they start obeying the law like we do? Or should we just do away with our Jewish customs? These are the questions that they're asking, because as the church grows, it grows in diversity. How can they be one with all these disparate people in the group? And I think we, we are dealing with similar problems uh, in Shatin Church. In some ways, it's a bigger problem for us because we're much more diverse than the early church. We're Chinese, we're Kiwis, we're Australians, English, Filipinos, Americans, Singaporeans, Malaysians, Nigerians, Koreans. Um, there are all sorts of people here, and we have to deal with all sorts of different cultural issues. I know that some of you uh, come to church in your Sunday best. You think, actually, if you come to church, you should dress up before you come to church. And then there are some of you who think, ah, actually, Jesus wore sandals, and so I'll wear sandals to the church. But this is a cultural issue. Some cultures worship in Sunday best, and some cultures are very casual in their worship. There's differences in musical taste here, too. Traditional or contemporary. Some like raising their hands really high, and some, it it just doesn't come out of their pocket. (laughs) 
There are divisions among socioeconomic status here as well. You might not feel it now when you're sitting around the church uh, all facing this way, but you do feel it when you go to lunch after church, don't you? You're mixed with people, and you kind of go, where should we eat? What can everybody afford uh, where, where we're going? Which restaurant should we go? There's also differences in cultural, I mean, in educational level here. I know that, uh, once again, you feel it in small groups, especially you feel it in links, don't you? Actually, there are many professors, there are many people with PhDs, and they'll use language that maybe words that are more difficult, and you're just trying to catch up, and you're try- just trying to understand English. There are all sorts of issues, all sorts of things that could potentially divide us. And we do tend to congregate towards people who are like us because that is the easiest option. What does it mean for us to be one church, one family, with all this diversity? How how do we avoid favoritism? This is what the early church does. The apostles gathered everybody and asked them to elect seven people, seven who are full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom in verse 3. And at first, this seems like an administrative solution, but take a closer look at who they elect. Take a look at the uh, the, the, the names in verse 5. They chose Stephen, Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas. Do you know what all these names have in common? They're not Hebraic names. They're Jewish names. They're they're, They're Greek names. Now, we can't be sure if they were all Grecian Jews. Uh, maybe they had Greek names, but they were Hellenist, I mean, they were Hebraic Jews. But at the very least, we can assume that many, many of them, perhaps all of them, were Grecian Jews. People whose first language was Greek. And this is, remember, the whole church voted for these seven people, which means the Hebraic Jews also voted for the Grecian Jews to be elected. You see here, there is, when there is disunity, they work on being united. There's the stronger part chose to honor the weaker part so that they might be one. The Hebraic Jews, who had the power, chose to relinquish it because that's what the church does in order to be one. Unity requires sacrifice. It might mean not singing in the style that you want. It might mean you use easier language when you talk to people. You might mean that you eat food that you don't normally eat when you're hanging out with other people in the church. It might mean that you put up with people who are louder than you or people who are much more quieter uh, than you. It might mean you do things that you're not used to doing so that people who are different from you might be honored in this body. That's what they did. They elected the Grecian Jews to leadership. And just as the early church had to work at unity, we too have to work at unity. And this is important because message that Christ is for all people is at the heart of the gospel message. That's what it means. The the, the church is for all people. The gospel is for all people. It is at the heart of the gospel message. It's not for some of us. It is for all of us. And we should see increasing diversity as we grow. And having to work at unity is a great problem because it is a growing pain, isn't it? And if you have felt this problem in this church, that's good news. It means we've been growing. It means that the gospel has been bringing all sorts of people to Shatin Church, all sorts of background into God's family. And if you haven't 
had to deal with this problem in this church. It might mean, one, that you're new to the church and you don't know too many people. Or B, that you're too isolated. And you actually, you come to church and you look for people who are like you. But that's not being a church. That's not what being a church is all about. Work at unity, diverse, uh, a diverse gospel community will enrich all of us. It's difficult, but it will enrich all of us. There is a second problem, um, second growing pain in this uh, text, and that's the most obvious one. It's one of size and the number of workers. As it's growing, it needs more workers. There's a myth about uh, big churches uh, that people believe big churches have everything sorted out, that they don't need more people. We're not a big church, but we sometimes give uh, the appearance that we have everything sorted out. And if you've worked in our church in any capacity, you know that that is not true. Um, I I remember just this Kaylee. Everything went smoothly, but everybody in the background was running like a madman trying to get everything organized. We don't have everything sorted out, and we need more help. We need more people. As we grow, we actually need sometimes exponentially more people because we don't just grow. As the church grows, the number of ministries grow as well. And so we, the volunteers, number of volunteers that you need, actually we, we need exponentially more people as we grow. When the early church had to uh, solve the problem of looking after the church, looking after people, they chose seven men full of wisdom and Holy Spirit. They laid hands on them and empowered them to carry on that ministry. And once again, that sounds like just a small thing, but it's a radical thing because it's a departure from what the Jewish people did. The task of caring uh, for the poor was actually the task of the priests. They had this system, the temple system, required the priests to take care of the poor. It was their job. But here, these seven men are not particular. They're ordinary men. They are not from the tribe of Levi. They are not priests, but they are ordinary men empowered to carry out that ministry. You see, this is what happened through Christ. Distinction between priests and lay people, that was erased. In the Old Testament, only priests represented God to the people and people Back to God because they they believed there was they had special access to God. You can't uh, ordinary people couldn't just approach God. They functioned as an intermediary presence, but through Christ, this becomes unnecessary because the barrier between God and human being is erased through Christ. All of us can approach God ourselves. All of us have direct access to God because of what Jesus has done for us. All those who trust in Christ represents God to the world and world to God. And you see, this is why Peter famously says, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. We are a nation of priests. All Christians are priests in Christ. And I don't think it's, that, it's an accident that Luke, in this passage and no other passage, adds this little line at the end of verse 7. It says, a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. It's the only place in Acts where Luke says this. Jewish priests saw what Christians were doing. 
And they saw that this was from God, that this was a radical departure from what they knew. That God was doing something quite different. That God had empowered all of God's people to carry out his ministry, not a chosen few. And last week, you saw me wearing Alban's stole. Um, I don't usually wear it because it's not because I don't think uh, I look awful in it. In fact, a couple of you have said actually how good I looked in it. So thank you very much um, to those of you. But the reason why I don't... <laughs> oh, Matthew, it's, it's not... Don't laugh too hard. <laughs> the reason why I don't wear it often is because I think it creates this division, sense of division between you and me. Yes, it is true that I am called to work full-time in church ministry. But it's a difference of vocation. It's a difference of one of calling, not one of identity. We are all priests, you and I. We all represent God to the world. And we, as we bear the title Christian, we are Christians, and that means we represent God to the world. People uh, see God in us. We all represent people to God. It's not why we pray for the whole world. It's not why we pray for the outside world, because we represent world to God, to Christ. And the early church saw this, and they started doing the works of priests themselves. They started to erase the distinction and started empowering all people, all Christians, to carry out God's ministries. This doesn't mean that there was no criteria for selecting these people. We're told that they selected people who were full of the Holy Spirit. The people who had given themselves to following Christ so much so that God's saving and sanctifying and edifying work was so evident in their lives. People could see that God was at work in their lives. They're also full of wisdom. Not just the spiritual things, but they knew how the world worked. They had the skills in administration and business and brought efficiency and, and efficacy to, uh, to their task. They knew how things worked and they got things done. They were wise people. As the church grows, that's another principle that we have to find a way of working out in our church. We need to empower all of you to do ministry. You've heard me say this before, but I'll say it again. A lot of people come to church to support me in my ministry. Well, I don't actually see myself in that role. I've said this before. I see myself more like um, um, a soccer coach. You are all players. You are the ones who are in the field. You are the ones who are doing ministry in your homes, in your workplaces, and also in this church. You are the ones who are carrying out this ministry. And I am here to equip you. I am here to encourage you. I'm here to pray for you as you do that important ministry. This not only makes the ministry more effective, it is better theology to say all of us have been called by God to represent him in the world and represent uh, the world to him. That we're all priests in Christ. That we're all set apart. And as we grow, we will continue to face more problems, more obstacles. It's inevitable. And if you see a problem in this church, please do come and let me know uh, what the problems are. But don't be surprised if I ask, well, could you help with it? With the, with the problem. Don't be surprised if I, don't, if I see you not just as a participant, 
who shows up on Sundays as an audience in that stadium, stadium, but as a member, as a player who is playing in the church, in, in, in the game, that you are a member of this church, this family. Don't be surprised if I ask you to roll up your sleeves and to come and help. And I know that we need to find better administrative ways to do this, to equip you. And once again, these are things that I'm thinking about. And come and hear more about these thoughts at the AGM and, and, and to contribute um, to these ideas. But one thing is that as I ask you maybe to do some things, you might not like it. Partly because there is this perception that some ministries are more important than other ministries. You get this idea that maybe even in this text, as we read this text, um, on the surface level, if you read it on surface level, maybe there are two tiers here. Uh, After all, the disciples say in verse 2, it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wade on tables. He seems to say preaching the word of God is more important than waiting on tables. Well, I just want you to know, that's not what this text says um, if we look at it carefully. In fact, usually the Greek word for ministry is uh, diakonia. It's usually translated as service or ministry. But in verse 2, the word diakonia is not used for the word ministry. It actually simply says preaching the word of God. NIV, ESV does it better. ESV says preaching the word of God, not ministry of the word of God. There is a word, uh, there, there is the word ministry, diakonia, used in verse 2. And it's not for the word ministry. Actually, it's for the ministry of the table. Literally, it should say it's not for us to neglect. It's not right for us to neglect the preaching of the word of God in order to do the ministry of the table. Ministry of the table. It is a ministry. And that word is used again in verse 4 to describe this time the other ministry, the ministry of the word. You see, Luke is making this point very intentionally. Both are ministries. Both are important. One is ministry of the table, ministry of distributing, uh, distributing food, or what we call compassion ministry, loving ministry, caring ministry. The other is the ministry of preaching and prayer, and they do go together. Preaching and prayer um, do go together. When the apostles say they need to devote themselves to the preaching of prayer, um, uh, uh, to the ministry of preaching and prayer, they're not saying that that is more important. They are distinguishing, though, uh, 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 their calling, vocation. They are saying this is what they're called to do, not of importance. Both are important. Both are important. But as the church grows, the apostles realize that they can't do everything themselves. They need to empower others to carry out the other important ministry. And if you're not convinced, just take a look at um, the criteria for selecting the, peop- uh, the, the people for this other ministry. They need to be full of the Holy Spirit and full of wisdom, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. And that's a high bar, isn't it? And we know they also selected capable people. Stephen was selected. And we see in the, next, uh, in the rest of the chapter he, that he was a capable preacher. 
And not only Philip, uh, not only Stephen, but Philip is selected. And we see not, uh, later on in chapter 7, uh, uh, later on, that Philip is a, a capable evangelist. He goes and converts high Ethiopian um, uh, official. The point is, they appoint highly qualified people for this ministry because they recognize the importance of this ministry. The church has to do both. And once again, I hope you know that Shatin Church takes caring ministry seriously. We do some of it systematically. For example, 1% of our income goes towards meeting the needs of the church and meeting the needs of our mission partners around the world. This past year, we committed also uh, set aside $20,000 uh, to uh, help people who uh, uh, don't have the means to have a, a, a post-secondary education, whether it's a vocational training or university. Uh, we want to equip people. We want to send people up, uh, on um, for uh, training, and we want to meet the needs of our church. The church is here to take care of our people, but we can't do the ministry of compassion only on that sort of official church level. We need to look out for each other, and we need to care for each other, because that is just as much just as, uh, just as much ministry, a ministry, as preaching ministry is. That is just much a ministry um, as, as Bible study and links ministry. That is ministry that we need to carry out as a church. And as the church grows, we will be tempted to specialize in one, focus in one. But that would be like a church that's playing football with one leg, We'll hobble along, but we'll be ineffective. We need to do both. We need faithful, robust, speaking, preaching, Bible study ministry, teaching ministry. But we also need loving and caring ministry that backs up what we say. If we only speak but not love, we're just hypocrites. But if we don't speak... Uh, we just only love, but we don't speak. We're betraying the fact that we have been given the gospel, the good news that needs to be shared with others. And as we grow, problems will come. And that's what this chapter is about. Problems will come as church grows. We will have, we will have to work hard at remembering that gospel calls us to be one that that doesn't come easily, that we'll need to work at unity. We'll also need to remember the call, the gospel call for all people to be his priests, that we need to empower others to serve. And we can't be selective in our ministry. The good news, uh, the good news will have to be declared, taught, but it will also have to be enacted in our care, in the ministry of the table and it's amazing when all these things happen. Luke uh, concludes in verse 7. So the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly, and a large number of priests became obedient to faith. You know, that summary, that number increased, is this is the first of six times um, that happens in the book of Acts, and it's all at very important points in the book of Acts. It happens, for example, uh, the other time it happens next is when Paul is converted in chapter 9. When Paul's converted, it says number increased. And after the conversion of the first Gentile, Cornelius, in chapter 12, it says number increased. The point is that these are important moments in church history. 
And this is an important moment um, that we realize that changes will come and that we need to adjust to these changes, working at these things, working at unity, empowering people to serve, and going and declaring the word of God as well as enacting that love in our community. And as we do that, I'm sure the word of God will spread and that God will add to our numbers daily. Let's pray. Lord, we give you great thanks for this church. We thank you that it is founded upon Jesus Christ and his grace. And we thank you that it is grace that is at work within us. Lord, as we look forward to 2015, 2016, our future years, we thank you that you are the head. We thank you that you will help us to grow. Lord, help us to remember that unity requires sacrifice. Help us to remember that we're all priests in you. Help us to empower people to do ministry. And help us not to neglect uh, either the preaching ministry or the caring ministry that the word of God will continue to spread, that you will add to us uh, the, the, the number of those who are being saved. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.